Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Swear This Will Make Sense. I am your co-host, Sean Parker, and I am leading in this episode. Normally Angie does, but there's a fun little, funky little reason why I'm leading it in today. Hello, Angie. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. I'm so happy that we finally got this working. This is the fourth time we've tried to record this episode. Fourth time's a charm. We were having some some technical difficulties. We tried to film outside in person uh, safely, which didn't work. And then we tried to record it uh, today and it, it didn't work. But, you know, I, I'm feeling good about this one, Sean. Fourth time's the charm. Here we go. Oh, uh, yeah. How are you feeling? Um, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm staying up at an Airbnb in, in Kingston and I just swam this morning. Uh, which was a stupid idea. I jumped into an ice cold lake and immediately got out. And I went, "That was fun. I'm never doing that again." <laughs> well, now you're more. So my awake my journey alert. of I'm so awake, and my journey from our previous episode of of being more outdoorsy is working. Um, I'm I'm being successfully indoctrinated into nature, and soon I will be a tree. Yes, I spent uh, yesterday gardening. Um, oh, good for you for Mother's Day. Oh, so sweet. Mama's boy. Let's move on to the topic of today, (laughs) chosen by me. That's why I let in. That's why I did the intro. You chose it. I'm have usurped the throne. The king is dead. You you got to use the word usurped today. Do you feel happy? I get to use the word usurp every day of my life because I am in control of me. Today's topic is something that I feel is a extension of a much larger discussion that has been going on for a while now, which has morphed and, dare I say, amalgamated with other discussions um, in a way that makes it very difficult to have any sort of fruitful conversation on the topic. And that topic is the classics of art. So, we're not just talking visual art. We're not talking your Picasso, though he does fit into this. All mediums of art. We're talking all artistic mediums and the Mm -hmm. gods and uh, relics of these mediums. The classics everyone refers to when they're talking about said mediums. If someone says music, they will bring up uh, a collection of... Uh, well, they're not going to describe music necessarily, but if they describe a style of music, they will often find the uh, key examples that define the style, define the sound, or innovated or created the sound. Yeah, right? I think that that definition works for me. Generally, when I'm like, I mean, especially coming from a film background, a lot of my experience with the classics of any art form is classic cinema. So for me, mm-hmm. what um, exemplifies or or what cl- classifies a classic. Um, is something that um, precedented and kind of pioneered the art form, so innovated in some way how we make cinema. And also, I think, kind of a separate thing um, is that it's kind of mutually beloved. So a movie like Singing in the Rain, no one doesn't like that movie. It's just kind I of people generally enjoy it. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I like it. It's great. That movie did, I don't want to sidetrack us too much, though that is the point of the no, podcast. No, go for it. I remember watching that movie on a plane, and I think I was a little young. Don't watch it on a plane. And like, why any of it was happening? Because there's that whole Hollywood sure. dance sequence 
And right. It's pretty, it's pretty elaborate for someone who's like really young. Like if you're really young, you can enjoy it from like a visual and like aesthetic standpoint. But I feel like if you're too young to understand the history, it's just kind of like what the hell's going yeah, on. Yeah. It's just, it's just, oh, now they're dancing. Oh, now they're still dancing. Hey, they're still dancing. <laughs> and they're, they're doing, the, they're tap dancing but now. But hey, huh. this is actually a great. Now there's water. Segue into sort of the problem that a lot of people have with classics. Mm-hmm, with is classics. When they're introduced and the context in which they're introduced, in this case, a plane. Um, can sometimes have an <laughs> Air Canada ruins everything <laughs> on the appreciation of said thing. Um, yeah, this is something when that we talked about a lot. Told or asked to appreciate something, it becomes very difficult sometimes uh, for those of us who are more combative, such as myself. Well, people don't like doing what they're told. I think that's no pretty one universal. likes doing what they're told. Well, mm-hmm. in most contexts, to, to to an extent, but I, I think it's pretty pretty common. Um, and I definitely feel like a lot of the initial pushback to uh, the pedestal that the classics are placed on comes from the way in which they are forced down your throat quite consistently and you're sort of expected to go along with it. It is difficult to live in an artistic world in which people keep praising one thing that you cannot see the value of. And the difficult conversation is if I can't see the value of it, is this my own inability? Am I missing something? Is there something that I don't understand? Is it just not very good? Well, if it isn't very good, mm-hmm. then why does everyone like it? Why has it established itself? Where do these roots yeah. come from? How did they grow so deeply? And that's what ends up happening is we approach these things oftentimes uh, being told to look at the beautiful leaves of this tree of classics of like look at all of the pros look at this 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 and we're given a very uh large picture you know Mm -hmm. of but of this outer beauty and i think what stops people from appreciating a lot of this is the roots of the thing and There's two aspects to this, and I'm hoping you will expand on them. Um, I'm going to give my. I've heard the tree analogy before, so this is great. Yes, I'm right with you. It's one of my favorite analogies to use. Um, (laughs) I think the root of it comes from the fact that we often don't know the root of the classic we're being given. So the context in which it was written, um, Mm -hmm. the reason Mm -hmm. it's established itself, and and what it is in a much more deep. Um, you know, beneath the surface level that makes something amazing. So, for example, I'll give my example that I give a lot. Yeah, Beethoven, yeah, go for it. For me, I'm in the classical music scene. I'm a classical music composer, somehow. Uh, those still exist, by the way, and I'm one of them. Um, Beethoven is, you know, a god. He's used as a god, at least. I prefer him as a person, but that's a different Proxy god. topic. I... And, you know, he's presented to me uh, quite often, for one thing. He's exemplary in terms of the style of his time. Um, but you'll be told what he does here with this form, with the sonata form, for example, is amazing. And you don't know why. And a lot of that is because when you first encounter Beethoven, as a lot of us do, it's in a bubble. It's in the bubble of just Beethoven. It's not the historical context. It's not the instrument he might have used to perform it. It's not every other hmm. piano sonata at the time. Um, oh, that's interesting. So if the music doesn't speak to you as music, 
then it makes no sense as to why anyone finds anything interesting about someone doing something with a form because you have no grounding. And I think a lot of it is we're asked to appreciate something in a grounded way, but we're not given the grounding. We're not given the actual uh, analysis of the roots of why something is interesting. Um, because I think everything can be interesting. I think you can learn a lot from uh, everything. But yeah, I think I think of... you can take a lot from classics. But there's also like some mechanical issues that I think. Yeah, and if it's, if it's presented about. like the reason it means something is because of the leaves of it, you know, the sort of like, oh, look at this one scene, or look at this one moment. Right. Well, if all you see is the reason that it's a classic is because it's a classic, that doesn't really work. You know what I mean? It's it's important for you as someone in taking the art to understand why is it a classic and if you like it, why do you like it? And find your own reasons for that instead of like, oh, it's a classic, so I have to like it. Or it's a classic because it's a classic. You know what I mean? You should understand the historical value of it, understand what makes it great or what doesn't make it great. I think that's that's where you can actually like find peace with it and find enjoyment out of classics rather than just like, yep, it's a classic, so I have to enjoy it. Mm. But I think mm -hmm. the larger discussion that's been confused i think with that one is sometimes the roots are rotten sometimes they are infected <laughs> and oh disgusting. boy and that's, i think a new conversation not new in um you know that it's just started this year but new relative to conversations it's about a whole art. other Very, thing it's a yeah, 20th century 21st century discussion of uh the ethics behind the art that we consume and the people yeah. who made it and so for example um actually you have a great example can you give your example of this the hitchcock example yeah absolutely um so uh something that sean and i spoke about on our live podcast we did a live stream on our instagram which is at it will make sense pod if you want to check that out um we talked about the conversation around separating the art from the artist, which is something that we'll we'll get to a little bit later. But in that conversation, I mentioned um, Alfred Hitchcock, who everyone is familiar with and has a number of really impactful movies, movies that most people are understanding of and, and have had great impacts on, on cinema as we know it today. Um, I have a bit of an understanding and experience with Hitchcock uh, I don't really like him very much. He, he wasn't a stand-up guy. He had a lot of problems with um, abuse. He, he wasn't a very good person. Um, and for that reason, I, I kind of see his movies and his work and his legacy very differently. Um, but I have an experience related to him that kind of introduced my understanding of classics, especially classic cinema, uh, in first year of university. So in my first year, um, film studies class, um, we screened Vertigo, Hitchcock's Vertigo. Um, and a bunch of, you know, kind of scared and scared first years who have working on developing our own opinions. We watched the film quietly. We developed our own understandings of it, whatever. And then the next day after screening Vertigo, um, we went into our tutorial to talk about it with our, our TA. Um, and she asked, okay, so what did you think of Vertigo? And all of us kind of brought up good things saying yep the visuals were nice or I like the soundtrack I like the writing the plot was interesting and enthralling whatever people generally brought up positives because I think we all knew how classic of a film this was and we didn't really want to say anything bad um and then my TA stood at the front of class and went okay you know I'm glad glad you like it 
um, I hate it, and here's why. And she just explained to us why she disliked the film. Her reasons were very well-founded and, and reasonable, and we all kind of understood it. Um, and all of us were just kind of too scared to say anything, or, you know, maybe didn't want to say anything bad, or maybe didn't have anything bad to say, because we understood that the film was a classic, and, and that was that. So it was kind of the first time that someone in film academia was very truthful about their perceptions of a classic work of cinema. Um, and it was really helpful for me because then it made me think about, well, all of these other classics and all of these other well-regarded filmmakers, how can I develop my own opinion of it um, as independently as possible from the opinions of history? So that's what I'm working on now and, and just trying to form opinions of, of art um, regardless, regardless if it's a classic or not, thinking about what I like from it, what I can learn from it. Um, and if the filmmaker is someone like Hitchcock, how to reconcile a, a, a movie that I, you know, kind of enjoy by a, a person that I, I do not support. Mm. Do you and know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I think we've laid a good groundwork. Um, yeah. There's the two main issues. Um, the art itself uh, and sure. how we judge aesthetic value and how we're asked to judge aesthetic value. Uh, mm -hmm. And when the personal becomes a, a part of it, or rather, is the personal ever not? So, um, Right, so that's where the conversation of, of separating, separating the art from the, art the artist, from the which artist. is a, a sentence that's been used to death, but it's yeah, it's necessary it's just, here. It's, that's it's when that conversation comes death, into play. But Because people just use it in a way that actually means I don't care this doesn't mean it didn't <laughs> you know i, I choose to separate the art from the artist it. so i'm just gonna i'm gonna step out of this conversation about ethics and 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 i can just enjoy my movies in peace but it's it's not really that simple mm -hmm. um for someone like me it's not that simple I, I can't really think that way i think yeah a lot of it uh for me was a long uh um i <laughs> <It was> great <laughs> think the deepest root of the whole discussion is one that is unexplored uh, when mm. it comes up, is the human okay. aspect of all art. And that anything that is classified as art generally has had some human component. Now, people have attempted to remove the human component from art, but I think that is uh, entirely unsuccessful. Because the second you present... <laughs> Talking about, like, AI art? Truly, I think the second you present all that something stuff? as art, yeah, it's... you insert yourself in some way into it as a human experience. I think, you oh, it generated this I with agree. AI. It's like, I yes. agree. And the AI... It's not really art. It's just kind where? of stuff. It's cool. Where yeah. did the AI come from? <laughs> Who chose what to feed uh, into the AI? Bill Gates. Who chose, you know, like, all these different things. You can't... The second someone gets presented as art, there is something inherently human about that. And I will sort of mm. die on that hill. I don't think you can separate human nature from art, nor do I think you can separate the art from the artist in in the way that doesn't just mean I'm going to listen to it anyway because I don't care. Um, or I think the art is separate. Uh, and what I'm trying to say is I don't believe the artist that you're trying to separate the art from would have done the same thing. Um, a person imprints right because themselves. they didn't separate themselves exactly. from their art. So the, their art was deeply art. personal. They they poured their heart into it, and it 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 reflected them as a person. So they didn't separate themselves, and they they shouldn't. 
have because that's not really what art is mm-hmm. um so why should that fall that responsibility fall onto the shoulders of the viewer mm-hmm. the idea that mm-hmm. the political opinions the social opinions of an artist wouldn't make their way in any way into the art i think is is just something we all know to be false i mean some people believe that i don't really know how i feel about it but I, some people believe that art is always political um I think there's you know what I mean? an it's, aspect it's, of that. I think, I think there's some truth to that. Yeah, well, I agree. I, mean, I think life is. I think really um, trying to separate oh, yourself hey. from yeah. politics is as much a political decision as engaging in them. It, it, it carries the same amount of weight. It carries the same amount of uh, indication to anyone else how you are as a person. So, uh, for example, if an artist says, oh, I separate myself politically, that is a political statement. That is, yeah, I see what you're saying. Way, uh, believing, for one thing, either you can be separate or above politics says a lot politically <laughs> um, <laughs> about who, how you interpret uh, the world and yourself. So when we do that with artists, when we say, for example, Wagner comes up a lot. Uh, he was a disgusting anti-Semite and uh, was, you know, he wasn't... <laughs> Hitler's favorite composer just because Hitler liked brass. (laughs) You know, there was an aspect of German nationalism present in his music, and we can pretend there Mm. isn't. We can say, well, technically this is just this and this and this, but... Wagner wouldn't have said You don't that. get anything from that. Like I think that's what I also there's, find. There's funny. no point in trying to ignore the bad. There's that doesn't get you anywhere. If you just pretend like it didn't happen, then you're you're doing yourself a disservice. I think well, I think the problem is that there is a point in pretending that there isn't, and it's that you just want to still enjoy the art. And I think one of the reasons it becomes very, very difficult to not just sort of completely separate and ignore something is the deification, if I can use a funky little word there of uh artists is that a word deification yes to make something into that's a deity. fun so i think that's what my main issue is is this your word of the day is that we cannot have healthy discussions because we haven't even acknowledged that the artist is a person that there is nothing about the great artists of history that is any different from anyone else and hmm. The immediate response to that is a little bit of pushback. I think we sort of, uh, yeah, deify and give these sort of magical properties in some way to to artists. And I understand that sometimes that's a cultural thing, you know, like the muses of ancient Greece idea. But I mm-hmm. think that's just because it is easier to comprehend the beauty of something if you don't have to accept that you are the same as the person who made it. I, think, I see. So I sometimes it's easier just to take it in on, on the surface. Personally, I think hmm. that I think, for example, my favorite, one of my favorite composers, if not my favorite, is J.S. Bach. I think he's, you know, incredible. I've listened I've, to him. I've always just called him Bach, so I didn't know that his yes, first two initials were for Johann Sebastian Bach. And oh, uh, yeah. Really I, okay, I knew that. All I his brothers that. were called Johann Bach. Um... <laughs> And the only difference is, is the Are you name. serious? I really wish I was making that up. Um, oh, I'm going to do that with my kids. That's uh, so funny. The fun. only difference is the middle name. It's really quite funny. Um, <laughs> that must have been frustrating. So, uh, anyways, I adore his music. Spotify has informed me that uh, for several years now, he's been my most listened to artist. 
Um, yeah, mine is SZA, so. Yeah, uh, cool. well, okay. <laughs> um, it is. Basically the same thing. Uh, but I <laughs> don't like when people refer to him in godly terms. And people are going, oh, the, the depth of the genius yeah, will never that's understand. that's fair. For me, uh, the world is a more beautiful, exciting place if he was a human being. That being said, if I want yeah, the to understand it from this that, grounded level, yeah, the beauty of the human nature, I also have to accept other things about him. For example, he had, I think, around 20 kids, 17 to 20. I'm, I can never remember the number. An insane amount of children. He didn't, there's no way he really raised them. For one, it wasn't expected of men of his time. And two, the amount of output he had is insane. He wrote an, an, an insane amount of pieces. He was incredibly prolific. Mm. There's no way you can write that much and take care of that many children. So, so you're saying by today's standards, he, he probably wouldn't be a stand-up guy. He wouldn't have been a very good dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to cast aspersions about a dead guy, but I also don't really care. Um, I... I, don't, I, I don't have think to he accept that. I think, I think we sort of believe we can accept the good parts of something without the bad parts. But I think that is, is dishonest. And that's where a lot hmm. of the conversation comes in. Yeah, I see in, what you're saying. Is the way, the purpose of deification is to erase the bad parts. To make them not even part of the conversation. Right, to just hold them up on a pedestal where everything else doesn't matter because look at how genius they are. Yeah, and it also means that... Totally, if, that's very prolific in film. Engage, yeah, it's like, huge. Some of my favorite art I love because I criticized other aspects of the same artist, of the same what whatever. With Beethoven, for example, I didn't like him. Like I didn't like Beethoven for a really long time. And one of the reasons was that who performs a classical work is really important. And I didn't know that for a while. Like, I knew that, you know, in a subconscious way. But Beethoven was always presented as, you know, a genius. And so his music will always shine mm -hmm. through. But um, if a performer doesn't speak to you on a song, it's always going to be, be part of it. There's a reason that there are covers that get more popular than the original recordings of the song. Sometimes how something is done... Is just as important as what is being done. Yeah, I see your point about like context being really important. Like my one of my favorite films is um, Baz Luhrmann's '96 rendition of Romeo and Juliet. It's a it's a wonderful film. It's it's the one with Leo, um, and I I love it very much. And when I tell people that I love it, they go, "Oh, <laughs> you mm -hmm. like that? You like that movie? I hated it." And I said, "Okay." I'm going to ask you something. Where did you see it for the first time? And they say, I watched it for the first time in my high school English class. And I go, that's why you don't like it. Because you had to watch it in a school setting where you were probably kind of itchy and uncomfortable. And it, it wasn't what you would have wanted. When, you're, when it's forced upon you, you don't get to enjoy it on your own terms. I watched it for the first time by myself. Um, and I just completely fell in love with it. So, yeah, I, I would agree that context when it comes to the classics is, is really important. Mm -hmm. I think actually that it's good that you raised, you know, uh, half Shakespeare? Shakespeare because, uh, yeah. how many people do you think the first time they saw Shakespeare performed, saw it performed well, uh, how often mm, do you think Shakespearean actors or rather just actors who are doing I grew up with a theater family. I'm, I'm spoiled, but yeah, probably not on, most people. Rest on their laurels because, oh, it's a classic. Mm -hmm. And when people engage with Shakespeare, because I am a huge Shakespeare fan, when people mm. engage with it. As if it was a new play written yesterday. 
overwhelmingly, it's a better yeah. show. It's just it. when it's when it's fused with the voice of someone new instead of just being taken as this classic kind of like yeah you know what I'm I'm not I think that's why I really like the '96 um, Romeo and Juliet is because it's it's refreshed and it's renewed it's it's set in a modern um, context with beautiful music um, but it's it's kept in the original like Shakespearean English. Um, for me, what I what I love about classics is when they're reworked and revamped and refurbished instead of like, oh, it's a classic. It has to be encased in glass to preserve this this work of art. That's that's a classic. It's a work of art, just like anything else. It can be taken and reused and renewed. And I think that's like to me, obviously, there is something to preserving a classic, but it, there's also something great when it can be refreshed and renewed. And that's something that's especially important today um because when we talk about classics and we talk about classic works of art especially in cinema it becomes a question of well whose story gets to get told why did this say film why did it become a classic is it because the director was prolific enough in a position of of privilege for the time that they could make something that would be well received or could be made at all like um, something that we brought up when we tried to record this outside um, was like, well, if Hitch- if Hitchcock wasn't a man, the films wouldn't have been made at all, most likely. Mm-hmm. So refreshing and renewing the classics and bringing them into a modern age is something that's that's really important to the queer community, something that's really important to like BIPOC communities as well. And just like thinking about that, to me, I, I don't like the idea of encasing classics in glass. And I, I like renewing them and, and and modernizing them and giving them a new voice because you know that's that's important to me mm-hmm. and i think it sort of goes back what i was saying in one episode that i really don't believe anyone is above criticism truly i also think anyone who is yeah we're all criticizing human. shouldn't be above criticism just because they're criticizing uh, i've never liked that when a critic uh, replies with well i'm a critic it's what i do it's like yeah people will still disagree with you and if they have good reasons to that's good we want a discussion and i think mm-hmm. the discussion is an overemphasized aspect of progress i know it's important um but we talk about having conversations we talk about discussing things and how important that is but if we're still using the same framework as before it's not going to do anything. So if we're trying to have these discussions of the canon of an art form, of the you know important pieces mm. of it, but we're still using the same... Yeah, you don't have to just take it at face value. We can critique it. That's yeah, completely allowed. Yeah, we're using the same mm-hmm. framework also of these people, like they, you know, that the all these works are divine masterpieces. Um, it, the discussion can only go so far. However, mm. I think... There's also, you know, there's a reason to say something like, well, maybe if we put it in its original context, it'll make more sense. Maybe if we preserve it in this way. And, you know, I know it's not always as accessible, but sometimes the hurdle of going into something in its own context is worth it. But that should be something we expect it it should be, be up proven. to you. It it shouldn't it shouldn't be mandatory. Well, I think it should be up to it you. It shouldn't be the only way to enjoy a work of art. Yeah. It's, it's in its original in glass form. But what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. is that it, it's also up to the person presenting it to you to explain to you 
why there is something to be excited about why there's a reason to go sure yeah why is this a classic why is this something that's important to the art form totally and uh, it's it's something that you should understand yeah like i don't like translated shakespeare i don't like when they put it into modern english i don't like when they insert modern english into it because i sort of think the story is good as it is i sometimes i think you just need to do something new and that's also my other issue with classics the refurbishing of classics the renewing and remaking of them is an interesting thing and i do like it but i think part of the reason that happens is because we make them these huge things and if we just treat them as any other work of art then we i like that approach to be honest as we'll do something new then but we use these classics i think as an appeal to authority in a way of well, I'm doing okay, something what do you mean? new, but it's grounded in this. So it's a, you know, so it's different, but look, it's grounded in this. <laughs> look, here's the thing that you like. It'll be okay. Yeah. It, it's sort of, you know, a, <laughs> a, a fallacy, an artistic huh. appeal to authority of, well, I'm invoking this classic. It's I'm a loophole. this person um, as a bouncing off to tell my own story. You're you're using what you know people like and what you know to be successful as like a jumping off point to make what you want. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, and it's it's not a bad idea. I think um, the way that I've come to like learn about classics, I'm really happy that I've gotten to experience a lot of classic art um, in like an academic context. Because in general, they inform you um, of everything that you need to know, and they le- well for the most part they leave you the space to enjoy the work of art however you see fit and to form your own opinions of it. It's no, it's not like. You know, say you're you're watching a classic movie with family and, you know, they put on Citizen Kane and you don't really want to watch it because you, you don't like it. And they just say, oh, well, it's a classic. You have to like it. You have to like this. Like, how could you not like it? it there's no point in guilting people for not enjoying a classic. That's That's my problem with, like, classics and art is the guilt that comes with if you don't like it. Mm-hmm. What is that about? That's not acceptable. So for me, I've I've found what works is is just to take what you can from the classics, learn what you can, understand the historical context, understand what set it apart from the rest and what made it great, um, knowing in full where it came from and when it came from will allow you the space to like form your own opinions and um, just just take it as it is. If you like it, you like it awesome if you don't you don't and that's perfectly reasonable you don't have to like anything just because everyone around you says it's so great it's it's completely up to you as a viewer as someone intaking the art to form your own opinions of it and to to learn from it what you want take take what you will i believe the inverse is true as well that you don't have to hate something just because everyone else loves it i oh sure i think when the classic becomes part of the groundwork of an establishment, that's where the issue lies, is we can no longer recognize the merits of this because it's so embedded in the foundations of something we're trying to oppose. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where a lot yeah, of Yeah, I, I see a lot of that, that culture from. in film too. It's it's like when everyone loves something, there's, you know, someone wants to be subversive, so they say that they hate it when everybody else loves it. I've done that a million times. I'm sure we've all done that. I mean, it's, I it's, do that and I mean it. It's to set yourself apart. But I also have done that in ways that I just want to annoy people. But that shouldn't sure. be the only reason why, yeah, you do it because you want to be cool. Like, but, it's okay. Uh, it I, I think, I think the push to remake and renew these classics is, is important, but it also 
it's still going to be in the same framework. It's still going to be a part of that foundation you think you're undermining. You're still going to be addressing you're the classic as a classic. maintaining sure. its supremacy, its dominance within the art form. It's very difficult mm. to truly undercut something like that with it. Um, there's only so many ways a tool can destroy itself, you know? Yeah. I think... Yeah, it's... it's you, can't, you can't work against the framework if you're working from within it. Mm-hmm. And the goal mm-hmm. of new art should not be replacement, I don't think. I think rather we can if we approach these things again as made by human beings then we can see new eras form that are deserving us just as much respect even though they haven't what's been around what's the word they used de- de- deify deification de- de- deification do not deify your artists yeah i think it makes the world more boring um <laughs> i guess we couldn't be super conclusive about this because it is a very long discussion and um, yeah, I think I think there's a lot that we can talk about here, but I really do. I, I mean, I've said everything that I want to say. Reading mm-hmm. more about this sort of thing because there are some wonderful. Yeah, it's it's from, a really cool conversation. Yeah, especially from uh, marginalized communities about art, mm-hmm. about their relationship to art, and how you have yeah, to like there's only so much we can say on the topic. Into that, but um, this is our limited perspective, as we always give. Uh, yeah, <laughs> our, our 35 minute perspective. I think there's there's only really so much that we can say about classics, but I'm glad that we're talking about it in general, because um, I feel like for a lot of people, the conversation kind of ends at this is a classic because and that's it. And you don't really get to pick it apart and break it down and think about, do you like it? Do you dislike it? Um are there issues with the filmmaker or the, or the roots of the artist and, and like, what if they're a bad person? Well, was their works, should it still be considered integral? Should it still be taught? Like there's a lot to think about. And I think that that's what makes this conversation kind of cool is, is figuring out where you stand on things and um, thinking about classic works that you love and, and just hold them dear. And mm-hmm. if think, I, if I were to think of everything, a, a final pontification please i would love it if you made a concluding remark uh host mr host okay i think (laughs) no pressure the most important thing regarding your relationship to art is honesty and if an honest statement about your relationship to art makes you uncomfortable then it is worth exploring so if you believe you can separate the art from the artist ask yourself honestly why what are you doing that separates it and why is it important that this artist gets this treatment and what is it that you're separating what is it that you are ignoring or justifying and it may be that you feel uncomfortable with that but you can only do that if we discuss these things honestly they were made by people valuable people people with a lot of flaws Hmm. And some of those flaws will be too much. Some of them will be understandable. Um, but we can only talk about that if we're honest about why we make exceptions and why we don't. That's really insightful. I like that. It's okay. <laughs> okay, it's it's okay. Do you have any final remarks? Um, you know, I think I'm, I pretty much said everything I wanted to say. I, I love having these kinds of conversations with you. Um, if I were to recommend one, um, work of classic cinema, 
uh, to actually watch and not just watch because you have to, I would say Casablanca. Um, I, I really like really? it. And I'm only saying this because I like it. Yeah, I have that no one? other point of recommending this. I just enjoy it. It's a good, it's a good one. It's a I good just one. think it's beautiful. It uses it's light really one. interestingly, I think. I think that's why I like it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a cinephile, so I like everything that's visual, but I don't know. I just, <laughs> I enjoy final, it. Final I can't really tell you I don't like about that. Go any watch Mozart operas. I've never liked any of them. Okay. You're not going to convince me that I like them. That's okay. my final thing. Great. Even with all this insight, nice. I've thought about it. I've nice. listened to them. I've tried different formats of them. I don't like Mozart's operas. Maybe one day that will change. And you know what? That is just fine. But it probably not. Okay. Well, this is right been... on. <laughs> Finally. Yeah, you know what? You did a good job hosting. Thank you very much. I need that sort of validation. You're welcome. You did. You did a good job. Bravo. I'm clapping. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, should I shall I shall I end it? Please, if, end away. If you liked this podcast, uh go ahead and hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, join the fam. Oh god. Um <laughs> fwit, fwit, fwit. Don't do that. Um too bad. I mean, go ahead and, and give us a nice review if you're on Apple Podcasts. Uh, mm-hmm. Check out our Instagram, which is uh, It Will Make Sense Pod at It Will Make Sense Pod. You can catch things like a live podcast that we did um, and announcements about episodes. Uh, yeah, we keep everything posted and there. Thank you so, so much for listening. Um, I really can't believe the response we've gotten to this podcast. It's been a lot of fun for both of us. Um, we will try and do it at least bi weekly. Sometimes we may do more depending on our schedules because uh, school is done for us yay no sort of mm, kind of mostly mostly sort of yeah well i'm proud of you for hosting good job and thank you to all of you for listening um i hope you after listening to this pod go watch a work of classic art or experience a work of classic art or don't up to you <laughs> but thank you for listening either way bye Goodbye.